got two readings today. The first is from Exodus, chapter 19, verses 16 to 25, on page 77 of the Church Bibles. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so that they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai, because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you but the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. The second reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, on page 1093 in the Church Bibles. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. This is God's word. Thanks very much, Elizabeth, for reading that passage to us. Let me add my welcome to Pete's. Uh, Great to see you here. My name's Mark. I'm one of the ministers here. And a particular warm welcome if this is your first time with us at Inspire St. James. It's great to have you here. Please keep the Bible open there on page 1093. And before we look at it together, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you very much indeed that you are a God who speaks. And you speak to us today as your word, the Bible, is read to us, as it just has been, and as it is spoken from, as it is about to happen. And so I pray, Father, you prepare each of our hearts to hear you, our creator, our saviour, who knows best for us and wants what's best for us. 
so we may hear what you want to say to us, we may, that we may leave here today transformed to serve you in your mission to the world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look, today we are continuing our series in the New Testament book of Acts. And as we come to chapter 2, we come to one of the most significant events in all of history. The day of Pentecost. When God's Spirit comes down from heaven to empower the church for mission. One of the most significant events of all time, and yet I wonder how many of us here truly appreciate its significance and its significance for us today. Now, it could be that you are someone here looking into Christian things. We're thrilled to have you with us, and you've never heard of Pentecost before. Well, you are in for a real treat today. But ask the average Christian what they think are the most significant events in the Bible. I wonder how many people would even mention Pentecost. Jesus' death and resurrection, yes, absolutely. Good Friday, Easter Sunday, his payment for sins, his defeat of death. That's what we celebrate at Easter, of course. Jesus' birth, Christmas time, yeah, at a push. Most people would probably mention the creation, the fall, the second coming. Very few in my experience would mention Pentecost, even though the church today owes its very existence and survival and growth to the remarkable events of this day, the day of Pentecost. Now, I'm conscious that most of you here will have heard of Pentecost, but we are still somewhat confused by it. What happens here that we've just heard in this reading? Are we meant to expect the similar sort of thing today? So-called Pentecostal Christians, Pentecostal churches, are they different from us? Pentecost, yeah, it's about the Spirit, isn't it? But who is the Spirit? And what is his role exactly in the life of the church? Really important questions if we are to truly grasp the significance of Pentecost today. So let's come to the chapter now. Let's come just, we've got 13 verses today. And there are three things we're going to see. You'll see them come up one by one on the screen. That on the day of Pentecost, the church is filled with the Spirit, it is empowered by the Spirit, and it is mocked for the Spirit. Filled, empowered, mocked. First, filled. Glance down with me at verse 1. Page 1093. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. The they there is the 120 followers of Jesus Christ. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, clearly, this is no ordinary event. This noise from heaven that sounds like a violent wind but isn't actually a wind, this sight of tongues 
which looks like fire but isn't actually fire and then comes to rest on each of them. And then these languages, when suddenly all 120 believers start speaking in these other languages, not their own, and languages they've never studied before. This is not normal. This is not natural. This is something only God can do as his church is filled with his spirit. And by the spirit, we mean the third person of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is God at a moment unique in history, filling the church with his very presence. The Lord is here. His spirit is with us. What do we mean by that? It means he really is here now. God himself, by his spirit, filling this church and every church that trusts in Jesus Christ. The church is filled with his spirit. Now let's just think about this for a moment. You and I, what do we like to fill our time with? Things we enjoy? Things that are precious to us? If someone spends every waking hour in the office to the neglect of their friends and their family... Well, we know what's really precious to them, their work. If someone tries to spend all their time with their spouse, their children, if they're married, well, we know what's really precious to them, their family. Now, do you see what God fills his time with? The church fills us with his very presence so he is with us all the time. What an incredible thing. And if you have been following us through the Exodus series, you will know just what a momentous occasion this is. Um, We had a reminder in the reading, the Old Testament reading, um, Exodus 19, Mount Sinai. What were some of the things going on there? Wind, fire, the Lord descending in fire, thunder, lightning. But what was it like back then? This holy God, a sinful people, they couldn't even come close to God. Remember God saying, don't let them come near the mountain. They can't even touch the foot of it for fear of death. Because that's what normally happens when a holy God meets a sinful people. But look at how everything has changed now. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his payment for sin his righteousness given to us, the barrier between us and God destroyed. And so now, not only can we approach God, my goodness, even God is pleased to fill us with his very presence. It is a marvellous, it is a wonderful thing. I know the church in this country can often look weak, frail, at times a bit pathetic. And by the church, I don't just mean the Church of England, I mean any church in this land, any group of faithful Christian believers coming together. We can feel weak, we can feel frail, we can feel a bit pathetic at times, but as long as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, God himself with us, building us, together, uniting us, growing us, then you and I have nothing to worry about. I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Just listen to some of these statistics. 
Back then, here, right now, at the start of this day, the day of Pentecost, 120 believers. By the end of that day, after Peter's spirit-filled sermon, 3,000 believers. By 300 AD, 10 million believers. And 10% of all Roman subjects were Christians, according to church historian Philip Schaff. Did you know that over the last century, the church across the world has grown from 600 million in 1910 to 2.3 billion as of 2011? And today, a third of the world's 7.8 billion population are professing faith in Jesus Christ. There's a map of the growth rate of evangelical Christianity. You will see a few of the countries in yellow, including the United Kingdom, a lot of North America. This is where the evangelical growth rate is less than the population growth rate. So there's still growth. People are still coming to faith in Jesus Christ in those countries, but less than the population growth. The rest of the map, though, all those countries in blue, the majority of them is where the evangelical growth rate is faster higher than the population growth rate. How is that possible? Isn't atheism on the rise? Isn't secularism taking over? Isn't Islam the number one religion? No, it is not. Not as long as the church is filled with God's spirit. I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church in its infancy, back here, survived the might of the Roman Empire. The church will survive anything that is thrown at it today. Because God is with us, his presence with us, his spirit. We are filled with him. And the church won't just survive, it will grow and grow and grow and grow until the earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah says. Now, do you see the significance of Pentecost? What was started that day continues to this day. Do you realise what it means to be a member of church, to be a part of the body of Christ, to be filled with the Spirit of God himself? Well, look, that's the first thing to say. On the day of Pentecost, the church is filled with the Spirit, but not just that. Secondly, in verses 5 to 12, the church is also empowered by the Spirit. Let's pick it up in verse 5. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Pentecost was originally a Jewish festival that happened 50 days after Passover, hence the name Pentecost, Pente, fifth, 50, originally the number in Greek. And so thousands and thousands of Jewish people, God-fearing Jews who are in the nations, would come back to Jerusalem for this festival. Verse 6. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, Galileans speak Aramaic, perhaps a few words of Hebrew and Greek. Verse 8, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? 
And then we get a list in verses 9 to 11 of all these different nations across the known world at the time. Uh, possibly an allusion to the table of nations in Genesis 10, just before Babel, when God confused the languages. But now here is the church speaking every language. And then verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And if you're with us last week, you will know what it means. Just glance back to chapter 1, verse 8, this key verse for the whole of the book of Acts. Jesus speaking to his disciples, verse 8, chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You always remember Jesus saying, wait in Jerusalem, don't you dare go on mission yet, wait for the Holy Spirit, wait till you've got the power, they're certainly experiencing that power now when it comes, and you are to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The Spirit has a mission for the church. The Spirit doesn't do it by itself, the Spirit does it through us. And so guess what happens when he comes? Guess what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to empower his church for mission? They start speaking in the very languages of the nations that the Spirit wants them to send send them to. And this is not some first century language class, by the way, when they're all just speaking pleasantries to each other in these foreign languages. Bonjour, je m'appelle Marc, comment estas, vois de Bahnhof. No, verse 11. They are declaring the wonders of God. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's paid for sin. He's defeated death. Repent and believe in him for the forgiveness of sins. And you too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for yourself. That's what they were declaring. That's what this message is. That's what the church is empowered by the Spirit for. Mission. We are not just to sit back and enjoy ourselves until Jesus returns. We've got a job to do. We're on a mission together. It's one of the main reasons as a church we're given the Spirit and filled by him. Filled with him to go out to the ends of the earth. The Norwegian missionary, Malamo, who served in South Africa right up to her death, age 90, once asked the church, what are we here for? To have a good time with Christians or to save sinners? Wonder how many of us think of the Holy Spirit only in terms of personal comfort and happiness. Don't get me wrong. The Holy Spirit is given to us to reassure us of God's love in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is given to us to assure us of our salvation and to work out our salvation, but never to hog that salvation for ourselves, but to share the good news about Jesus Christ, the good news of rescue from a coming judgment to every human being on this planet because everyone needs to hear it. We are empowered by the Spirit for mission. As the Father sends the Son, as the Father and Son send the Spirit, so the Spirit sends the church to the ends of EC1, to the ends of London, to the ends of the earth. 
to share this urgent message about Jesus Christ. Global mission to everyone, everywhere. The Anglican minister, John Stott, who'll be familiar to many of us here, once said, we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. Can I ask, is that you? Are you a global Christian? Do you have a global vision? When we sang, Santo, 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 you found that a bit weird? Well, it probably is a bit weird, actually. But do you see why we're doing it? Because the gospel, the Christian message, there's not one Christian language. Jesus is for every person. We need to speak about him in every language. We want to remind ourselves here that the gospel takes us beyond ethnic divisions, racial divisions, cultural divisions, socioeconomic divisions. Jesus Christ is for every human being. Every human being needs to hear about having their sins forgiven and having a restored relationship with God and having their lives transformed both now, beyond death, and into eternity. Can I ask about your prayer life? When you pray, is it just for yourself? Or are you praying regularly for other people to hear about Jesus, to have their sins forgiven? You and I can call ourselves spirit-filled, but if we're not concerned with God's global mission and with the spread of the gospel here in London, across the world, then we are not as spirit-filled as we think we are. Don't mishear me. We all have the spirit if we're trusting in Jesus Christ, but perhaps the spirit does not have all of you. To be spirit-filled means to be mission-minded. You cannot have one without the other. It's what we're empowered by the spirit for. And there's still plenty of mission to do. Wonderful to have the growth that we've seen uh, here when we started Inspire you know, four and a half years ago, and the Lord's given us wonderful growth. Um, it's wonderful to have so many other churches in EC1, Grace Life London, Trinity Church, other churches in, in the deanery of the Church of England. But there are 25,000 people roughly living in this area of London. And I can tell you, they're not all going to church right now. There is still plenty to be doing. We have a mission. We need to be on it. Another map of the world. Don't mean this to turn into a geography lesson. I hated geography at school, but here we are. Here is another one, your last one. Progress of the gospel by people group. Countries in green. This is where the gospel has reached. That's the country. Um, But the countries in red are where the gospel has yet to really reach that area. Um, This um, particular data is by the Joshua Project. um, And their definition of unreached is this. Areas where there are so few Christians, so few church resources that outside assistance is necessary to make the gospel known to that people. That's why our mission committee is so focused on the 1040 window. That 1040 window is where that red is, 3.1 billion people unreached uh, with the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that we should all be foreign missionaries, although perhaps one or two of you here might be feeling and sensing a bit of the call from the Lord to go out beyond the UK with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful, Najib and Susie here. They can't wait. They're trying their best to get out to that 1040 window as soon as possible. But it does mean that every single Christian is part of this mission, is called to live out this mission 
to share Jesus Christ with the people God is putting in their lives and to reach out to neighbours, to colleagues, to friends, to push through comfort zones for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God. One of the wonderful things um, about London is that actually the nations in many ways are coming to us. 300 languages um, spoken in London. Um, That was back in 2007, so I don't know what it is uh, now. What an opportunity there is for us to reach the nations through them. A bit like here at Pentecost, these God-fearing Jews coming in, they hear the gospel message in their own language, they can take it back again. Some of you here will remember Ershka from Slovenia that joined us at Inspire, that heard the message of Jesus Christ, was blown away by Jesus' message of grace and realising that she did not have to earn her salvation, but that salvation was freely offered to her by faith in Jesus Christ. And she became a Christian and she started following the Lord. And in her words, she said, I want to take the true message of Jesus back to my country. And she was here for a few years and she's been trained up and now she's gone back. Now that's just one example. But think of the opportunities. 300 languages. What if they're each reached? And they go back. We are empowered by the Spirit for mission. Will you join in the mission? Will you pray for the unreached? Will you share the message of Jesus with the people God is putting in your life right now? That is what he calls us to do. That is why the church is filled with the Spirit. That is why you and I are empowered by the Spirit for mission. Third thing for us to see. The church is filled with the Spirit. The church is empowered by the Spirit. But also, verse 13 The church is mocked about the Spirit. Have a look at verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Now, what a healthy dose of realism for us as we think about mission, as we go out on mission. We're filled with the Spirit, we're empowered for the Spirit. It's all going to be easy and great and wonderful and Kerry's going on the doors knocking and then we're going to open them and go, woohoo, no. People mock the church, people attack the church, people reject its message. But don't be surprised when it happens. It happened back then, it's going to happen today. Don't be put off, keep going. And despite the mocking here, what happened by the end of the day? 3,000 people were added to the believers. And despite the mocking we get today, the Spirit will continue to grow the church as we are out boldly speaking, of Jesus Christ. C.T. Stard, a famous British cricketer who played in what was then the Ashes against Australia, he decided to give it all up to be a missionary in China. He was one of the Cambridge Seven. And people at the time were like, what on earth is he doing? Why is he doing that? What a waste of a life. And C.T. Stard said, had I cared for the comments of people, I should never have been a missionary. Had I cared for the comments of people, if you're anything like me, then this is the single biggest reason why you or I hold back sharing our faith, telling people we're Christian, hindering us in our evangelism, is we care so much what other people think about us. And that is why we have to keep coming back to what we've seen today. 
and what happened on the day of Pentecost. To see and ask the Lord to open our hearts and minds to truly believe that we are filled with his spirit and we're empowered by his spirit. Imagine if you were there on the day of Pentecost in that room and you heard this noise from heaven and you saw these tongues of fire and part splitting and bit of it resting on you. I mean, you would feel pretty bold then, right? Certainly a lot less fearful. But here's the thing, even though we don't see the physical manifestations of that today, because this was a unique, one-off moment in salvation history as God is announcing the age of the Spirit, the spiritual realities are no less true for us today. His presence is with us. His power is with us. He will give you boldness if you ask for it. He will give you wisdom if you ask for it. And the Holy Spirit can draw any human being to faith in Jesus Christ. So don't worry when the mocking comes. Don't be put off by it. Keep going. I am so grateful for a female student called Rowena Brown who continued to pray for me, who continued to share Jesus with me in a very non-threatening, unassuming way, even though I would relentlessly mock her time and time again. And if it wasn't for her boldness in the spirit, even though she came across as a pretty timid person, I would have never known what the true message of Jesus Christ is. You and I have the same spirit that she has. The same spirit of boldness, of wisdom. And you can have the same effect on others that she had effect on me. Will you join in the mission? Will you depend on the Spirit? Will you get out there and share Jesus with others? It's why we've got the Spirit. It's what he calls us to. My challenge is that each of us try it this week and see what the Spirit does. And let's feed back next week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you very much indeed for these verses telling us about Pentecost, the significance of Pentecost for us today. We thank and praise you that you would send your spirit and fill the church with him to know you are with us all the time. Thank you for this reminder that you empower us for mission. This is what you call us to do to share Jesus Christ with others, but how we are fearful. We care what people think, care what they'll say, the mocking we might have to endure. Please, Father, make the reality of Pentecost what happened here. Help us to see that it is true for us. So we would get out there, think of the people you've put in our lives, and we'll talk about Jesus in the power of spirit and see you continue to grow your church here. And we pray it not just for us, but across EC1, across London, and to the ends of the earth. And we ask it all for Jesus' sake. Amen.